I'd like you to turn in your Bibles with me, please, to Matthew chapter 5. I'm, it's a remarkable chapter that we're going to spend a little bit of time in this evening. But I'd like to read to you from verse 24. I read from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. And I'm going to read from halfway through that verse. Jesus is ministering, and here is what we read. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now, there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhaging stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disorder. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him, the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Amen. It is a beautiful story. And God always blesses the public reading of his inspired and his infallible word. This woman who is described as on her last legs. She has sold everything she has. She's been to every doctor that she could go to. Verse 26. And she is not getting any better. She is getting worse. She is at the end of the line. And she comes to Jesus. And everything is changed. Verse 28, she says, If I can only touch his clothes, I will be made well. We live in an age where so much has changed. So many developments, so much progress, so much at our fingertips. We've a we have achieved 
so much that we should be thankful for. And yet an age where hopelessness is still there. Where sorrow and uncertainty are still there. In the midst of all of the advances, when everything seems to be so possible, what do you do with a broken life? Who can heal a broken heart? Who can take someone who's at the end of the line and help them realize that there's a, another step, that there's a way forward, that there's a way out? There are times, I think, when all of us face situations where no one has an answer. Nothing that anyone can say or do will help us. No one is able to. This evening, I want to encourage you to look at someone who is able to touch you and change you forever. The same man that touched this woman in this story and throughout this part of the scriptures was moving amongst ordinary men and women, changing lives, transforming despair into hope and fear into faith and isolation into inclusion and lostness into foundness and um, the end of the road into a, a bend in the road and a new beginning. I'm talking about the Lord Jesus, of course, <coughs> the one who can set you free from your past. The one who can set you free from your mistakes and your sin. The only one who can give you new life, new hope, and new purpose. And the one who is, by the power of the Holy Spirit, still able to heal. Still able to bring hope. This evening it is my strong conviction that there are men and women watching online and here who need to see God breaking into their lives and in you in a powerful way. Perhaps you need to find this saviour who 34 years ago changed my life. Perhaps some of you need to know him as your healer who can come and touch you by the power of the spirit and heal a broken body, heal a broken heart, Maybe you need to know him as your empowerer who can take your weaknesses and your frailties and all of the things that you know you can't do and despite them, breathe life and hope and power upon you. Maybe you need to know him as the one who can set you free, your deliverer, the only one that has the key to open the chains that have locked you down for years. Well, that God, that Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, is in this room. Walking up and down these aisles. And he knows your heart. He's in every home across the world that will listen to this message now, joining us online. And the thousands that will listen to it in the weeks that lie ahead. And he is by the power of the Spirit present with you in just as much measure as he is present here. God has given his people power to ask him to break into our lives, to change situations. And he comes to us 
to comfort us, to strengthen us, to guide us, to give us new life, and sometimes to challenge us, to ask us if we will trust him, to invite us to step toward him. We can do one of three things when God challenges us, I think. We can ignore it and hope it goes away. We can refuse to cooperate with him, or we can respond and follow him. It might well be that some of us here tonight are struggling with some of the things that are happening in our lives. Maybe situations that are causing us heartache or worry and we feel that we're unable to do anything with them. Would you have the courage to lay them at the feet of Jesus tonight? As we've sung just a few moments ago, to to make a choice to lay your burdens at his feet. Maybe... Your husbands or your wives or your partners are breaking your heart. And in the midst of what is going on, you are the only one who really knows the loneliness and the heartache that you are experiencing. Maybe, those of you that are already Christians, God has challenged an area of your relationship with him. He's asked you to lay something at his feet. And you're struggling to do it. Maybe you've never met this Jesus. You've heard about him. You've watched other people, but you? You might be a churchgoer. You might be a member of a church, but you've never actually encountered Jesus. Maybe your past is so strong that it is tying you up in knots tonight. And you think, If God really knew what I was like, he wouldn't want me. What if none of those things are barriers to God? What if there's a possibility that God could do something in you this evening that could change you forever? I'm not God. Anybody who's part of this congregation says we've been telling you that for two years. And I don't know your heart. But God does. And I think he's whispering into people's souls this evening. It isn't my job to stand up here and tell you a story and sit down and pat myself on the back and say I've done what God asked me to do. I've got to cooperate with what God wants to do here this evening in the hope that some of what he wants to do in you might come to fruition. So I can preach faithfully. I can have prayed about this message. I can have prepared. And I've done all of those things. It doesn't mean that you're going to hear from God unless you turn your ear toward him. You've got to make that decision, you see. I can't make it for you. I think it's often important for us to remember as people who listen to preaching, me included, that the preacher has a responsibility to be faithful to what God has asked her or him to do. And the hearer has a responsibility to listen and work out what they're going to do with what God might be saying. To what might God be saying here? The story that we read is of a lady who had suffered for years she came to God in desperation. 
She was out of ideas. And she was met by God and she yielded herself to him. We don't even know her name. An anonymous lady with a broken heart and a desperate need and a bucket empty of hope. And then she hears about Jesus. The story is told in Mark chapter 5, in Matthew chapter 9, and in Luke chapter 8. And something rises in her. Something changes in her. You hear it in verse 28. If I can only touch the hem of his garments, I'll be made well. There are lots of theological analogies of that, that the hem of the garment signifies the finished work of Jesus on Calvary, that it's a a touching of all that Christ is and all that Christ has done. I'm not sure that, I'm sure that there may be true, but I'm not sure that that woman thought that. I'm sure all that woman thought was, I've heard that this Jesus changes lives and I don't understand very much else, but if I can get to him, if I can touch him, then something in my life might change too. Verse 26 of Mark chapter 5 says that she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Here's a lady who has had a lifetime of suffering, doctor after doctor, in the days when you paid for every appointment and none of them helped. I wonder what she felt when she first started to suffer from her complaint. Maybe she thought, this will get sorted out quickly. But over the 12 long years that followed, her condition grew worse and worse and worse. And we pick up the story when she's at the end of her rope. Run out of doctors and run out of money and running out of hope. And the nature of her complaint meant that she was not able to be in community. No one could touch her. No one could talk to her. No one would sit with her. No one would help her. She was locked out. What a thing. And so we find her alone and frightened because the punishment for anyone who touched her or was near her was severe. Maybe you feel locked out tonight. Maybe you know someone who feels locked out and as you listen to me, your heart will rise to pray for them. Whether it's a doctor or a consultant or a promise or a hope or a job, whatever the situation is, they just feel utterly alone. And nothing has helped. God, by the power of his spirit, is able to come and touch and change a person in that situation. Whatever you are facing tonight, I even got a little fanfare. (laughs) Whatever you are facing, God is able to do something about it. Verse 27 says, 
When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. If I can touch his clothes, I will be healed. I don't know whether it was her desperation. I don't know whether it was somebody had told her. I don't know whether this was the last ditch attempt. But at last, she'd come to the right person. And you might be in that situation. Yesterday when I was thinking and praying about what I wanted to say tonight, I knelt in my uh, study at home to pray. And I actually had a picture of someone, I don't know whether they're here or online, who has said to God in the last few weeks, if you don't do something, it's over. And I have a real sense that somehow tonight there's a war going on for someone's soul. So I'm going to take that seriously. But somebody has come to the end of the road with something and said, if you don't help me, I'm done. I think that might be somebody here. Well, you've come to the right person. He's heard your cry. He wants to help. He's got the power to reach into your soul and turn you away from death and turn you away from fear and turn you away from hopelessness. And he is here. She came to him. Whatever she heard about him, it made her move. It made something change. She heard about him. She came to him. She wanted to touch him. She expected something to happen and something did. She touched him. The same can be true of you and me here this evening in this space or in the online space. He is able and he is here, wherever here is, at the heart of the Christian gospel, at the heart of what it means for Christians to believe in Jesus is this conviction. He knows us and he is able to meet us. He can transform the most broken life, the most broken marriage, the most broken set of circumstances. He is a God who restores and changes the devastated. And he is able to do it tonight. I can't. Don't come to me. We can't. The church can't save you. The preacher can't save you. The denomination can't save you. Your friends can't save you. Only God can save you. But God can save you. He can rescue you. So as you sit listening to my voice, begin to think about his voice. Ask God to do something. It's possible to be in a room like this and everybody to assume that this is for somebody else. 
Verse 24, a large crowd gathered around him. And Jesus stops and says, someone, singular, touched me. I have been in church services for nearly two-thirds of my life. Now, I didn't grow up as a Christian. I became a Christian when I was 16, and I'm 49, not 50 yet, 50 this year. So for 34 years, I've been a follower of Jesus, and I have watched in crowds of a couple of hundred like this, or tens or even hundreds of thousands, when everybody else, when everybody in the room, when, when most of the people in the room are looking around, thinking that this is that God is moving somewhere else, but they miss what God might want to do in them. I am not preaching to the person sitting beside you. I'm not saying what I'm saying so that you can say, oh, this is for her, or this is for him. This word is for you. Whoever you are, wherever you and I are, God is present. And I don't know about you, but as a Christian of 34 years, let me say something to the Christians that have been following Jesus for much longer. Do not allow yourself to remain content with what you experienced of God five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, or five months ago. There is more to discover about God tonight in your life, in your faith, in your walk. And when we gather together as a church, I am positioning myself every time we gather together. And I don't care at all if this ends up sounding like it's a pain to people. Every meeting we have as a community of faith, I am positioning myself to say, Lord, I want to know more about you. I want to encounter more of you. I want to follow you more closely. I want to step forward. I want to get to the end of this year and look back and say, I have grown as a follower of Jesus. I want all that God has for me. I don't just want it. I'm desperate for God's now word as we heard this morning. I have not got it all together. I haven't got all the answers. My theology isn't sewn up. My spirituality isn't signed, sealed, and delivered. There is more of God for me. And I want God to have more of me. So I am here tonight behind this pulpit expecting God to do something. Praying that the energy in the air crackles like electricity. Because God is present. And when that is true, and it is always true when we gather, anything is possible. This whole crowd pressed in, but only she touched him. Press in, touch him. Reach out your hand, reach out your intellect, reach out your mind, reach out your soul. Touch him. And Jesus immediately knows, who touched me? Somebody touched me. The disciples think that he's talking nonsense. Lord, you see the crowd. There are lots of people touching you. And he says, no, somebody's 
touched me. And here's what it says in Greek. Because I felt virtue leaving me. Imagine that. That in heaven, at this very moment, or in the next few moments, the Son of God says, I felt virtue leaving me. Because somebody in that meeting in Donald Elam reached out beyond religion, beyond attendance, beyond presence, beyond appearance, and touched me. And something was released from me directly to them. Wow. God can give us strength. God can give us grace. God can give us purpose. God can give us hope. God can give us anything that he chooses to. This woman took her life in her hands by coming to Jesus. If anybody knew about it, if anybody had found out about it, they could have stoned her. That's how desperate she was. We will not make a move in our spiritual lives until the level of our desperation outstrips the level of our complacency. Write that down. It is only when we become desperate enough to displace ourselves from our comfort zones that we are willing to leave behind what people think willing to leave behind fear, willing to leave behind the assumptions that we've made and step into something new. The word for that is surrender. She reaches her hand out and she touches him. The Bible is littered with people who made these decisions. Mary, in Luke chapter 1, confronted by Jesus, about who, confronted by the father about the fact that she would bear the, the baby who would be the Lord Jesus Christ. Struggling to understand what the angel was saying to her, but in the end, yielding to him and saying, I am the Lord's servant, let it be to me according to his will. The widow at Nain, who was breaking her heart, recorded in Luke chapter 7, because her son had died. And she looked at Jesus, and Jesus looked at her and said, Daughter, do not cry. Again and again in the gospel stories, you hear Jesus saying this to people, asking a question which seems so obvious in its answer. What do you want me to do for you? Imagine being a blind man on the road outside Jericho, screaming out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, being brought to him, and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? It's obvious, isn't it? So why was he asking him? Because Christ sometimes requires us to be brutally honest with him and to name the thing that is in our lives that we need him to intervene in. Not because he doesn't know it, but because you need to confess it. Somebody very close to me lived their lives as an alcoholic. And they never could ever get to the point where they said, I can't break this. Oh, they said it. They spoke it with their words. They articulated it. But it never came from here. There was always this struggle deep down inside because what they wanted was God to reform them, not to completely transform them. God is here. 
And through the power of Jesus Christ who died on the cross and rose again, he is able to look into your heart and soul and say, son, do not cry. Daughter, do not cry. No matter how big the problem might be, God is bigger. No matter how broad and wide the gap might be between where you are and where God is, he can cross that chasm in one step. No matter how deep your sin, God can forgive you in Jesus Christ. No matter how deeply embedded the habit is, he has the power to break it. But are we humble enough to ask him? Jesus, the healer, the savior, the baptizer, the coming king. And if you take Mark's gospel, which I'm not going to do, and unpack it in both directions, you discover that this chapter in which this story is nestled is surrounded by the power of God through Jesus Christ. That's why Mark writes it the way he does. Jesus calms a storm in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. This is his power, his authority over nature. Jesus casts a demon from a young man in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 20, the very next story. This is his power over evil. Jesus meets Jairus' daughter and brings her back to life. This is the power of Jesus over death itself. And Jesus heals this woman with the issue of blood in Matthew chapter 5, verses 24 to 34. This is his power in a deeply religious tradition. How big is the power of Jesus? Big enough to cover every base. Strong enough to disrupt the power of nature itself in order to rescue his people. Stronger than the devil, stronger than you, stronger than the world, stronger than your fear, stronger than anything. And yet it all hinges on this simple thing. I must touch him. The power of God hinged on a human cry. And he here tonight asks, is present watching and listening and asking, what do you need me to do? Not as a divine slot machine in the sky, but as the God who can bring breakthrough and life and hope. One of the pastors in our church is Pastor Tyler Rawson. And the last couple of months, when I have heard him praying, which is often, I've heard him praying a line from a song, just one touch from the king changes everything. Well, that king is here. And I believe he wants to move in people's lives.